0: I would encourage you now, if you will, to take the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. I want to share a brief message with you. Somebody left me a cartoon up here a few moments ago on my Bible while I was mingling around. It looks like a snuffy smith. Any of you know who a snuffy smith is? Is that what it's called? Man, it's been a while since I've read that cartoon says, what's the secret to a good sermon, Parson? That's easy, Doc. Have a good start and a good finish. And whatever you do, keep them both close together. So I'm going to try to keep it close together. I don't know who put this up here. I still love you, by the way, all right, if you did. But we're going to try to keep it close together. I want to give you one truth tonight, all right, as we look through this. And I think it's a truth that so many of our churches could, could learn, relearn, And really take advantage of. And that is this. We are to be a people of peace. Because we have a God of peace. I want you to think about that. That one truth. That God has called us to be people of peace. Especially as we relate to one another. Because we have a God of peace. Now, if you've followed me in this study, and many of you have, many of you have been here on Sunday nights, and you know for a while we've worked through the book of Philippians. I know I've been gone a little bit, so some of you probably checked out mentally from where we are. But as you come back, you'll know that Paul is encouraging the Philippian church to be united. It's all about the unity of the church. And what happens is when we have peace in our relationships, when we have peace in our thoughts, when we have peace in our actions... We see the unity of the church together. The church comes together. And that's what I want to encourage you is, as God's people to recognize that it's, it's that time still to come together. Unfortunately, when we look out in our culture today, we see so much unrest, so much chaos. And may I, I just want to say this? This is not scripted. I just want to say this tonight, Okay. We need to pray for peace to be manifest across our land. And we need to speak with one voice that violence, racism, whatever it is, it is not acceptable before a holy God. That we ought to be a people who can stand and say, We want to seek his truth and his peace, and we need to pray that for our cities and our community and our nation. But again, I think it begins within the local church. It begins within us, seeking his peace in our relationships and allowing that peace to spread out into our communities. This is the way Paul addresses it in chapter 4. He says in verse 1, Therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown. Don't you love that? Can't you just hear the love of Paul as he is addressing the Philippian church? Remember, he was there at its founding. This morning I talked about Acts chapter 16 and, and how the Philippian jailer had come to Christ and, and his family. And we know that Lydia and several women, we, we know that this terrorized girl, she found Christ there in Philippi through Paul's ministry. Can't you still hear the love that he has for them? He says, my beloved and long far brethren, my joy, and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let the Lord himself is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy... Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. He says that we are to be a people of peace because we have a God of peace. He tells them to stand firm in their relationships. Stand firm In their heavenly citizenship. And he specifically talks about how their relationships should be marked by peace. Look in verse 2. Notice what Paul does. He says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. The preacher is calling names. I mean, listen. Paul just comes out and says, hey... You got two ladies there. You and the Sentiki, And I want the two of them to get along. Now, people have talked about this passage before. Pastors and I have talked about this passage. I've heard some pastors say, we need to be that direct in ministry. And I'll remind them that Paul was many, many miles away when he wrote this letter, right? <laughs> he was in Rome, according to my understanding of this, When he writes it, so he knows he's safely in Rome and he can't be attacked. No, I'm not. He is direct. He calls them out. He gets personal. He says, this relationship that you have had, he said, it needs to be restored. You need to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 2, it says, I implore. Literally, he is saying, I am begging you. I want you to again hear the pastoral heart here, the pastoral concern. He sees these two ladies and he understands that their relationship is strained. And he comes to them and he says, I'm begging you as your pastor. I'm asking you. I'm doing everything I can to somehow encourage you to come back and be of the same mind. Now, it is ironic, okay, when you look at their names in the original language. Uodia. So let me give you just a little bit of a Greek lesson, okay? If you see that E-U, oftentimes that prefix means good, okay? For example, the gospel, the word for gospel is euangelion. So you hear that E-U, good. Angelion, which is like angel, messenger, it means good message, good news that's the reason we say the gospel is the good news is because when you break down the word that's what you have so look at this word euodia eu good odia well it's exactly what you think odor scent i mean literally so this is the lady of good scent of good odor syntiki If you look at the very first part of that word, it is a preposition which means with. In other words, it's kind of like the idea that you are with somebody. You're in unity with someone else. Now, you see the irony of this? The one which was supposed to bring the great fragrance to the church is doing nothing but causing a stink, right? The individual that was supposed to be really embodying unity has actually broken the unity. When you look at the original language, you can see the irony of how he is calling them out. These two ladies. And he says, I need you. I think you ought to come together. If believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can't come together in a redemptive relationship, then I'm not sure there's a hope for our culture. We can pray for peace for our culture and for our people, our nation. But if peace does not begin within us as the people of God, I think it is hard-pressed to see those other hopes realized. Folks, if anybody should have a reconciled relationship, it is us. Or maybe I should say, it is we, right? Right? Those of us who are here, we are the ones who should live in reconciled relationships daily. First of all, you and I should not forget, we have been reconciled to the God of the universe. And it wasn't because of our merit or worth. It was simply because of his grace and mercy. That we've been brought into the kingdom in such a way, reconciled. Remember the scripture paints this picture. Paul himself reminds us that we were enemies. That we were hostile to God before we even knew the gospel and the good news. Before he brought salvation to us. He reconciled us. Hey, if he's reconciled me and he's reconciled you, that means that we can live in a reconciled relationship. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the situations. It's about the blood of Christ which has joined us together. That is so significant. And that is the reason Paul is appealing to these ladies to come together in the same mind. And again, same mind in the Lord. What holds us together? The Lordship of Christ. His work in our hearts and lives that's what brings us together as a people I mean we can come from all kinds of different backgrounds we can engage in all kinds of other hobbies work but what holds us together the Lord himself and thinking according to his principles that's what he calls us to do now look verse 3 he says now I've called out you odiate and I've called out syntyche but I urge you also true companion. Now there's some debate. I remember when I studied this many years ago and I got to that that verse and and many English translations say true companion. Some people will take it as a as a person as really a a a personal noun in the sense of calling to an individual in particular and listing that name of that individual in the original Greek. Here most of us Again, take it as this idea that this is a true companion. This is a fellow worker. This is a yoke fellow, if you want to call it that, who will come along and help in the ministry. Notice what he says to them, though. He says, I need you to help these women who labored with me in the gospel. So, a couple things here. These ladies were not all bad. Did you hear this? These ladies were not just bad people. Paul just told us that these ladies actually had been very helpful to him in the gospel. They were good. They had contributed. They weren't weren't bad ladies. Look, do you know sometimes good people can disagree? Right? Let me say it this way. Sometimes good people can disagree within the church context. We can. I've been in business meetings where I think people legitimately had concerns on both sides. There were good people; they weren't bad people because they were opposing this, or a good, or they weren't good people because they were for this. It wasn't so much that they were—they were all just good people, but they were looking at it some different ways. You know, good people can have things come between them. What Paul says is that when that happens, we need to do everything we can to reconcile with one another. And if we're on the outside and we see this happening, we ought to be people who will do whatever it takes to try to reconcile those other relationships. He says, you yoke fellow, my true companion, the one I, I'm, I'm speaking to you now. I'm asking you to go to these people who have meant so much to the kingdom and so much to the gospel. And I'm asking you to intervene and do what you can to try to bring them together. Kind of like what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, Jesus didn't tell you that when you're a peacemaker and you stand in the middle, you sometimes get hit. That is the case. But all oh, how I think our churches need more peacemakers. I, I think we need more people who are active, who try to go to do whatever it takes to maintain the peace of the church. I often remind our deacons that, to me, they in, they in particular play a role in peacemaking i've often thought that deacons themselves help keep the unity of the church i think it was dr jim futrell who's now the chief uh what would you call him uh, not the ceo the executive director of the mississippi baptist convention dr jim futrell used to call deacons problem solvers problem solvers. Because he would look back at Acts 6 and he would see how, yes, they served and most of the time that's what you hear, deacons should serve and they should. But why did they serve? They served to keep the unity of the church. The Hellenist versus the Jewish widows, remember? They were complaining. There was this there was this moment when the church could have split wide open, and what happened? They appointed deacons to be the people who would serve to keep the unity of the church. But that's not just the deacon's job. I think that's responsibility of all of us who see any kind of area that is threatening the unity of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we should step up and do what we can to somehow to bring them together look in verse five let your gentleness some translations may even say forbearance let that kind of spirit be known to all men see this is the key one of the reasons we should demonstrate peace in our relationships is so that the community out there beyond these walls they know that we stand in one accord And they know that they can know the peace that comes from our God. It's our testimony. When division or strife hits the church, I can't imagine any other kind of scenario except Satan himself rejoicing in bringing such havoc within the church of the Lord Jesus. Because he knows that he he is turning people away from the church. We are to rejoice. Why? The Lord is at hand. Why are we to be united? The Lord is at hand. Again, we are a people of peace because we have a God of peace. The Lord is at hand. Also, it means the Lord is near. I don't know if your mom ever did something like this, but my mama, you know, I grew up in North Mississippi. My mom, you know, she was pretty strict with us. And some of you, you didn't have strict mamas. I can tell some of you. Some of you wouldn't act the way you do if you had a strict mama like me, you know. But my mom would say something like, what if Jesus is watching you right now? Would you say that? Would you do that? Sometimes when I go out, she would remind me, you know, about Jesus watching and all this kind of stuff. Like, He's there. Well, reality is Jesus is always watching, right? Reality is Jesus is always near. Paul says, let your forbearing spirit be known because he's always there. And also I think a part of that is he is the one who gives you the strength to forbear. Because you and I know if it were left up unto To our own human instinct. We would not always forbear. We would not endure. We would not necessarily show gentleness. God has to do something within us. Hello. God has to do something within us. His Holy Spirit has to give us the strength. To forbear. And to be gentle. With one another. Paul says that you need to come together. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. It's amazing when you're rejoicing with your mouth, it's hard to complain at the same time. When you're rejoicing or praising the Lord, it's hard to fuss about things. He says, why don't you just rejoice in the Lord always. And then look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He said, not only are your relationships marked by peace, make sure that your thoughts are marked by peace so that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 6, he says, just don't worry. I don't know about you, but this is probably... This is probably up there on my sin list. I got several, and I won't go through all of them tonight because I do want to keep this short. But worry, it can it can move up there on my list sometimes. And Paul says, "Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing." He says. Especially in the church context. I mean, this is the church context, right? He's talking about issues within the church, relationships. He says, don't worry. But instead, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, and this is present tense, let that request go on being known to God. You just kind of just keep spending that time of going before God and giving those things to God. When you're worried, when you're the anxiety level is continuing to move up in your life, he said, you just keep going. You just keep, again, thanking him, praising him. Let your heart be known. Tell him what's going on. He says, continue to do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I, lo- I love it when I was, again... Back in Dr. Bain's class at Blue Mountain years ago, and we translated some of this, uh, I remember Dr. Bain talking about this idea that it surpasses every understanding. He says, he said to us, literally, this meant that it, it went past every mental effort that we could somehow come up with in our lives. We, we try to mentally comprehend it. We try to make mental efforts to understand it. He said, it, it still surpasses all of that. You can't get your mind wrapped around it. You, you really can't. Because you're in the midst of all this chaos and, and the relational issues. And somehow in the midst of it, God can bring you peace. And this peace will guard your hearts and minds. This week when I looked at that passage, I was reminded that Philip that the Philippian church was in a town, obviously Philippi, that was known for garrisons, was known for like these individuals, these soldiers who would stand guard. And this is a military term that he uses here. He said, it's like the peace of God is this sentry that stands guard over your heart. He is checking what is going in and what is going out, but the peace of God somehow will give you exactly what you need and will guard you in those moments. Man, I love that image. Because I'm going to tell you, there are things that go in and out of my head, in and out of my heart. And sometimes it seems like it goes unrestricted. But when I come to God and I give Him these things, then it's like His peace stands guard right there at that moment. It says, hold on just a moment. You can't enter into the life of this individual. You can't bring such anxiety. Because the peace of God... Is what keeps us. Again, our thoughts are marked by peace. Verse 8, that's all about thinking. I may come back to this later, but just notice what he says again. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So about the time you're about to be filled with anxiety allow the peace of god to guard you and you for your benefit what you do is you start meditating on the things that are good and worthy and righteous and praiseworthy oh may i say this you'll never run out of things to think about you you won't hit a moment where you can't think of something that's worth your praise. He says, allow your thoughts to be marked by peace. And then just very simply, just as a closing statement, let your actions then be marked by peace. Your relationships, your thoughts, your actions. Verse 9, after telling you to think the right way, he says in verse 9 to act the right way. I mean, that's there's the thinking, and then they do the doing. Verse nine: the things which you learned, received, and heard and saw in me, these do. And again, the God of peace. See, God's all about peace. He he's all about bringing peace to the strife of our hearts and lives. We knew that in salvation. We should know that in our service. If God wanted to bring peace to you and salvation, at your salvation, if he wanted to reconcile you, just know he continues to want to bring peace to you. He didn't save you so you could live in such chaos and anxiety. That's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to bring peace to you. Now, I recognize that our lives are not perfect. Troubles will come. He didn't say everything would be great, did he? But even in the midst of difficulty and trial, as we think, as we act, we can experience the peace of God. We are a people of peace because we have a God of peace. And I pray that in your heart and life, whatever you're going through right now, that the peace of God would be evident and that He would encourage you and bless you with a spirit that really, really will surpass every type of mental effort you have. And let me encourage you this way tonight. If there's a relationship that is broken, if there's a relationship that you can have a part in mending, Don't wait. Do it. For the glory of God, for the good of the kingdom. If there's anything that you can do, remember what Paul said to the Romans? If there's any way for you to live peaceably, you should live peaceably with all men. As much as depends upon you and me, what can we do to live peaceably with others? Especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. May God speak to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this night. Thank you for the peace that you alone can give. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that you would strengthen our relationships. I pray that you would encourage us daily. I pray that you would help us to take the initiative to restore relationships that are broken, perhaps in our own personal lives, but also, Lord, As we encourage one another within the church context to cling to your peace. Father, thank you that in the midst of all, you bring peace to your people. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?